1. The Boy with the U.S. Census by Francis Rault Wheeler Preface Life in America today is adventurous and thrilling to the core. Border warfare of the most primitive type still is waged in mountain fastnesses. The darkest pages in the annals of crime now are being written. Piracy has but changed its scene of operations from the sea to the land. Smugglers ply a busy trade, and from their factory prisons a hundred thousand children cry aloud for rescue. The flame of crusade sweeps over the land and the call for volunteers is abroad. In hazardous scout duty into these fields of danger the Census Bureau leads. The Census is the sword that shatters secrecy. The key that opens treadly guarded doors. The enumerator is vested with the nation's greatest right the right to know and on his findings all battle lines depend. When through Atlantic and Pacific gateways, Slavic, Italic, and Mongol hordes threaten the persistence of an American America. His is the task to show the absorption of widely diverse peoples, to chronicle the advances of civilization, or point the perils of illiterate and alien tongue communities, to show how this great census work is done, to reveal the mysteries its figures half disclose, to point the paths to heroism in the United States today, and to bind closer the kinship between all peoples of the earth who have become Americans is the aim and purpose of the author. Chapter I A Blood Feud in Old Kentucky, Uncle Eli said Hamilton suddenly, since I'm going to be a census taker, I think I'd like to apply for this district. The old Kentucky mountaineer, who had been steadily working his way through the weekly paper, lowered it so that he could look over the top of the page, and eyed the boy steadfastly. What for? He queried. I think I could do it better than almost anybody else in this section, was the ready, if not modest, reply. Well, perhaps you might. The other ascended and took up the paper again. Hamilton waited. He had spent but little time in the mountains but he had learned the value of allowing topics to develop slowly, even though his host was better informed than most of the people in the region. Although not an actual relative, Hamilton always called him uncle because he had fought with distinguished honor in the regiment that Hamilton's father commanded during the Civil War, and the two men ever since had been friends. I don't quite see why anyone SHD elect to take a hand in any such doings unless he has to. The Kentucky unresumed. After a pause, that census business seems kind of inquisitive some way to me. But it seems to me that it's the right kind of inquisitive. I reckon I hadn't thought of there being more in one kind of inquisitiveness. The mountaineer said, with a smile. But if you say so, I suppose it's all right. But don't you think the questions are easy enough? Asked the boy. They may be easy. But far is no denying that some of them are mighty unpleasant to answer. But if they are necessary, there is a plenty o' folks high in the mountains that you'll see and never make see how no in their private affairs does the government any good. But you don't feel that way, Uncle Eli. Surely? Well, I don't know. Setting here talking about it. I know it's all right. And I'm willing to tell all I know. But I jays feel as sure as CND. That before the census taker gets through high. I'm going to be heated up clar through. But why? Queried the lad again. The questions are plain enough. And there was practically no trouble at the last census. I think it's a fine thing. And everyone ought to be glad to help. And it's so important. Too. Important. Protested the old man. Did you ever see anyone that ever sat down and read those tables and tables o' figures? Not for fun. Perhaps. The boy admitted. But it isn't done for the sake of getting interesting reading matter, it's because those figures really are necessary. Why there's hardly a thing that you can think of that the census isn't at the back of. I don't see how that is. They don't ask about a man's politics, 
I notice, the mountaineer remarked, Munger, answered Hamilton promptly, but the number of members a state sends to Congress depends on the figures of the population that the census takers gather, and the only claim that any legislator has to his seat is based on their information, I suppose you'd say the same about schools, too, of course, the boy answered, but I hear the Census Bureau this year wants all sorts of information about the crops and the number of pigs kept and all that sort of stuff. Don't you think the food of all the people of the United States is important enough, Uncle Eli? And then the railroads, too. They depend on the figures about the crops and all sorts of other things which go as freight. You seem to know a lot about it, the mountaineer said, looking thoughtfully at the boy. I ought to, Hamilton said because I'm going to be an assistant special agent in the census of manufacturers right away. I applied last October and took the exam a couple of weeks before coming here on this visit. What makes you so cocksure that you've passed the examination? He was asked. I didn't find it so hard. Hamilton replied. Figures have always been easy for me. And when my brother was studying for that chartered accountant business I learned a lot from him. Your dad. He was a great hand at all figures. So I suppose you'll come by it naturally enough. And you're Jay sure you've passed? I haven't heard one way or the other, said Hamilton. But I'm pretty sure. Well, there's no use saying anything if you're all sought. But it's the business of the government. And I'd let them do it. But I'm hoping to work right with the government all the time. Uncle Eli, the boy explained, either with the Census Bureau or the Bureau of Statistics or some work like that. And anyway, if it's the government's business. I'm an American and it's my business. You'll have the right spirit, boy. The old man said, and I like to see it. But you're hun in trouble sure's you're born. Spossin you ask the questions of someone else or head that wouldn't answer? He'd have to answer, replied Hamilton stoutly. There's a law to make him. I don't believe that law's used much, hazarded the old man. It isn't. Hamilton found himself forced to admit. I believe there were not very many arrests all over the country last census. But the law's there, just the same. It wouldn't be a law on the ridge, the mountaineer said. And I don't believe it would do you any good anywhere else. On the mountains, I know. Courtesy is a whole lot bigger word than constitution. Up high. We follow the law when we are made to. Follow any day backed up by a rifle barrel because we have to. But there's not many men high that one do anything you ask if your jays ask the right way. But there are always some that give trouble. Hamilton protested. Trying to defend his position, the old Kentuckian slowly shook his head from side to side. If you don't win out by courtesy, he said, it's Jay's because you haven't been courteous enough. Because you haven't taken your man Jay's right. There isn't any such thing as being too gracious. And anyway, a census taker with any other day up high would be running chances right along. You mean they would shoot him up? Asked Hamilton. I think if he threatened some folks up high on in the gullies there might be trouble. But the fact that he represented the government would insure him from harm, I should think. I don't think much of that insurancy day. The old man said, I can't remember that it helped the revenue men such a great deal. The only insurance I ever had was a quick ear. And even now, I see him here at Twig's map near a quarter of a mile away. And that used to be good insurance in the old days when, if you were gunning for somebody, there was somebody gunning for you. But there's no one gunning for you now, is there, Uncle Eli? Asked the boy amusedly. I haven't been looking out especially. The Kentuckian responded, with an answering slow smile. 
and I reckon sometimes that I might jays as well leave the OL rifle in the house when I go out, but you never do. Put in Hamilton quickly. I reckon that's jays a feelin'. Rejoined the mountaineer. Jays one o' these habits that you'll hate to give up. I'd sort o' be lost without it now. After all these years, there's no one to worry about. Anyway, savin' Jake Howell, and I don't believe he's hankerin' for blood latin. Jake? Oh, never. Hamilton replied with assurance, why, he's only about my age, that's only partly why, the old man said, not only because he's your age, but because he's been at school, shouldn't in school and don't seem to hit it off, I reckon dar would have been a sight less trouble in the mountains if dar had been in most schools, there are plenty of schools in the mountains now, aren't there, asked Hamilton, it must be very different here, Uncle Eli, from what it was when you were a boy. Dar has been quite a change, and the change is coming faster now. But there's still a lot of folk who ain't altered a bit since the war. You city people call us slow moving up high. And as long as there's any of the OL spirit abroad there is a chance o' trouble. If you really are going in for this census talking, I'd keep claro the mountains. You really would, queried the boy thoughtfully. And what's more, continued his uncle, I would jays as soon that you didn't have anything to do with it near high. I don't want to see any little differences between families, such as census talking is likely to provoke. Illustration, taking the census in old Kentucky, typical conditions of an enumerator's work in the mountain districts. Courtesy of Art Manufacturing Company Amelia. Oh, why, Uncle Eli, cried Hamilton in amazement. You talk as though the days of the feuds were not over. Are you sure they're all over? The Kentucky said. I had supposed so. The boy replied. I thought the Kentucky killings had stopped 10 or 15 years ago. It's a little queer your sage to bring that up today. The old man said, for I was Jay's reading in the paper some figures on that very thing. You like figures. This will Jay suit you. Where was it now? He continued, rustling the paper, then, a moment later. Oh, yes, I have it. During the terms of the last three Kentucky governors, he read, over 1,300 criminals have been pardoned. 500 of them being for murder or manslaughter. It says the Fran. The old man added, that pardonin is jays as frequent now as it ever was. I don't believe it island myself. But if there is such a lot of pardonin going on for shootin', there must have been a powerful lot of shootin'. But that's for all the state. Objected the boy. Not for the mountains only. That must be for crimes in the cities and all sorts of things. You can't make the feuds responsible for those. Not altogether. The mountaineer agreed, the real well-time feud is petering out, and it's mainly due to the schoolin'. The young folks ain't ready ethel revenge now, and that sort of swings the women around, and up high in the mountains, same as everywhere else, I reckon. The ideas o' the women make a pile o' difference, but I should have thought the women would always have been against the feuds, said Hamilton. You'd think so, but they weren't. They helped to keep up the grudges a whole lot, and A.B. hasn't changed much volunteered the lad, she hasn't for a fact, A.B. is powerful soft, she holds the grudge against the Howkles in the O.L. style, but the feeling is dying out fast, and soon it'll be like history, only Jay's read of in books, what I never could see, remarked Hamilton, was what started it all, it isn't as if the people in the mountains had come from some part of the world where vendettas and that sort of thing had been going on for generations, there must have been some kind of reason for it in this section of the country, 
feuds don't spring up just for nothing. There was a while once we had a powerful clever talker up high. The Kentucky unanswered, acting as schoolmaster for a few weeks. I reckon he'd offered to substitute Jays to get a chance to see for himself what life in the mountains was like. He was writing a book about it. We got right friendly, and he knew he was always welcome high. And one day I asked him Jays that question. It was shortly before he left and I wanted to know what he thought about us all up high. The mountaineer leaned back in his chair and chuckled with evident enjoyment of the recollection. I Jays put the question to him. He said, in the mild's way and he started right into talk. There was no stopping him, and I couldn't remember one half of what he said, but I reckoned he had it about right. How did he explain the feuds? Uncle Eli? Asked the boy. Waddle, said the mountaineer, with a short laugh. He began by saying we were savages. Savages? Not jays with war paint and tomahawk. You understand, continued the old man, enjoying the boy's astonishment, but uncivilized and wild. There ain't any finer stock in the world, he said, than the mountaineers o' the ridge, clar down to Tennessee, and he said, too, that they were o' the good old English breed, not foreigners like our common in now, that's right enough, Hamilton agreed, and, what's more, they were gentlemen of good birth, most of them, there was not much of the peasant in the early colonists, so this author chap said, but he explained that was the very reason they got so wild. I don't see that, objected Hamilton, and I certainly don't see where the savage idea comes in, Well, He said that when you slid down from a high place it was harder to climb back than if the fall had been small, and that's why it's so hard for those who have gone down, they can see the depth of the fall. Hamilton, who was of an argumentative turn of mind, would have protested at this, but the old mountaineer proceeded, when the pioneers settled in the mountains they kind o' stuck, those that went on down into the bluegrass region, went Newman right ahead, but those that stayed in the mountains had no chance, I don't see why not, objected the boy, they were jays cut off from every war, we are today, for that matter, when a place gets settled, and starts to try and raise something to sell, the product has got to be taken to market, but there was no railroad up in the mountains, children were easy to raise, and a population grew up in a hurry, but the land was too poor for good farming, the roads were too bad for talking corn to market, and there was no way o' getting to a town, you are pretty well cut off, said Hamilton, we were more so then, the mountaineer said, and so, while all the country round was advancing up in the mountains, fifty years ago, we were living jays like pioneers, and some, not being able to keep up the strain, fell back, so it really isn't the fault of the mountaineers at all, cried the boy, but because they were a sort of marooned, it was unfortunate, replied the old man, but it really was our own fault, if the mountain country was worth developing, we should have developed it, if not, we should have left, I've often wondered why you didn't, Uncle Eli, said Hamilton, you must remember, the Kentucky said, that the mountaineers are a most independent lot, they want to be independent, and up high, every man is his own master, but, there being no available market if they did work hard, what was the use o' working, some o' them, especially down in the gullies, got lazy and shiftless, but they hung on all the harder to the ideas o' the old times, honor and hospitality, I've always understood, said Hamilton, that there was more hospitality to be found up here in the mountains than in almost any place on the globe, as you said, 
the old man continued, we're jays like a crew of shipwrecked sailors marooned on an island without a boat, without any means o' getting away. If some o' the families high up in the gullies are ignorant, it's because they've had no schooling, not because they haven't got the makings o' good citizens, if they're a bit careless about religion, it's because they've had no churching, and if they don't pay much heed to law, it's because the law has never done much for them. The ocean o' progress, went on the mountaineer, with a flourish, has rolled all round the mountains, but of all the fleets o' commerce in all these years, Bar has not been one to send out a boat to help the maroon mountainer. Didn't they ever try to get help? Queried the boy. We're not a skin help. The Kentuckian said. Bar's no winning on the mountains. I jays tell yo that when the time comes for the mountainers o' Kentucky on Virginia on Tennessee on Carolina to get a fair chance, they'll show yo as fine a race o' men and women as the stars and stripes flies over. They are mighty fine right now. I think. The boy said. They have their good points. The Kentuckian agreed, Bar is nothing sneakin' in the men up high, and are ain't any lengths to which a man won't go, to do what he thinks is the square thing. You've heard about the boat points? Mumber, the boy answered. What was that? It was Jay's an incident in one o' these feuds that you were talking of, and I'm going to tell you about it, to show you what amount single quote near single quote as he is like. Bar was a family living on the other side o' the ridge, not a great ways from high by the name o' Calvin, and in some way or other I never heard the rights of it they took to shooting up the boat points every chance that come along, one day Dandy Boat Point found a little girl that had hurt herself, and he picked her up in his arms and was carrying her home when one o' the Calvin boys shot him in his tracks, one o' the Boat Point brothers was away at the time, but the others felt that the Calvins hadn't been playing fair, and they reckoned to lay them all out, they did, too, all but one, Although they had a chance to nail him, they let him alone. Why was he let off? Queried Hamilton. I reckon it was because he had a young wife and a little child. The old man answered. Now Jimbo Point, the one that had been away, he come home after a while, and hadn't happened to hear about the wiping out o' the Calvins. On his way home, he had to pass the Calvin place, and so he made a wide cast around the hill to keep out o' sight, when suddenly, up a gully, he saw this has Calvin standing there with his rifle on his arm, and, quick as he could move, Jim grabbed his gun and fired. It was a long shot and a sure one. Was it, the boy began, but the old man waved the interruption aside and proceeded, reloading his rifle. Jimbo Point rode slowly to where his Calvin was lying, when suddenly, from a clump of bushes close by, there come a rifle shot, and the rider got the bullet in his chest, before falling from the saddle. However, the young fellow fired at the bushes from which smoke was drifting, and a shrill scream told him that the sharpshooter was a woman, someone who had been with his Calvin, asked Hamilton, his wife. Well, although Jim was mortally hurt and suffering as the tracks showed afterwards he tried to drag himself to the bushes in order to help the woman who had shot him and who he had shot and known, but he was too badly hurt, and he died twenty yards from the place where he fell. Was the woman dead, too? Asked Hamilton, Mumber but terrible badly hurt, what I was wanting to tell yo, though, was the result of all this, Waddle, the boat points took the woman to their home and nursed her night and day for five long years, she was helpless, only for her tongue, and she lashed and abused them till the day she died, and never once, in all those years, did anyone owe the boat points reproach her in return, and the youngster, they took the boy, too. 
and reared him the beast they knew how. J is the same as one o their own. One o the Bill Point boys went and lived on the Calvin place, and worked it, worked it fair and square, and put aside every cent that come out o the farm. For thirteen years the Bill Points looked after the farm and reared the boy. On the day he was fourteen year old, Jed Bill Point that was the father called the lad, told him the whole story, give him a new rifle and a powder horn and handed over the little bag o' coin that represented thirteen years o' work on the Calvin holding. There certainly couldn't be anything squarer than that, exclaimed Hamilton, and he gave the boy the farm, too, every inch of it. Jed Point was a square man, all through, and he said to the boy he told me the story himself Johnny Calvin, bars your farm and your rifle, now, if you're willing, I'll see that far is no trouble until you're twenty-one. And then you'll see and go hunt in revenge if you've a mind to. Or, if you're willing, we'll call the trouble off now. And there won't be any need o' raking it up again. He made it up on the spot. Of course, questioned Hamilton. The Kentuckian shook his head. He did not. He replied. The boy thought a minute or two and then said he'd wait until he was grown up. And let him know then. Although he had been brought up by the bill points. Exclaimed the boy in surprise. But surely it never came up again. Well, not exactly. When Johnny Calvin was about 19 he got married. And a few days before the time when he would be 21. He rode up to the Bill Point place. And told the old man that he was willing to let the feud rest another 10 years. Because of his wife and little baby. But that he would be ready to resume shooting at that time. But he had no real grudge against the Bill Points had he. Uncle Eli. They had always been kind to him. You said. Not a bit o' grudge, the mountaineer answered. They were good friends, and I reckon it wasn't Johnny that wanted the trouble to begin again. But far's always a lot o' hogheads prying into other folks' business. However, well Jed Point didn't mind, he agreed to another ten years' truce, and all went on peacefully as before. During those ten years, however, Johnny's wife died, and he got married again, this time to the sister o' a wandering preacher, a girl who had once lived in cities. And she soon showed him that the O.L. feud business must be forgotten. But it is a might unusual, even high, to farm a man's land and bring up his child F.O. thirteen years, and then give him everything you can with the privilege of shooting you at sight for all the favors done. It doesn't sound a bit like the usual feud story, said Hamilton. One always thinks of those as being cold-blooded and cruel. Bar and might owe intentional cruelty in them, it's jays that life is held cheap. Most o' them begun over some small thing like an election. There were quite a number of them. Uncle Eli, word of there, one ran into the other so easily that one feud would often look like half a dozen, and trouble would be going on in various places. But there were really seven of them, all big ones. Illustration, Kentucky Mountaineer family, in the heart of the feud district, where the rifle is never out of reach, courtesy of the spirit of missions. What word are they? Uncle Eli, waddle. Bar was the McCoy Hatfield feud in Pike County, that started over the ownership o' to plain Razorback Hogs, but afterwards got very bitter, owing to the friendship o' one o' the McCoy girls with the son o' Bad Aunts Hatfield, then Bar was the Howard Turner feud in Harlan County, and then, what started the Howard Turner feud, interrupted the boy, that was over a game o' cards, one o' the Howards had been winning, and Jim Turner, with a pistol, forced him to give back the money he had won. That affair raged a long time. The Logan Tolliver feud in Rowan County was over an election F.O. Sheriff. The Logans elected their candidate, 
and so the Tolligers killed one of the Logans at the polls and wounded three others, that's expressing dissatisfaction with an election with some spirit, Hamilton remarked, then are was the French ever so feud in Perry County, continued the Kentuckian, reminiscently, well Joe Ebersole was a merchant in a town called Hazard, and he helped Fulton French to start a little store, in time French almost drove Ebersole out of business, that was a strange fight, because neither French nor Ebersole ever got into the shooting, indeed they remained friendly even when their supporters were their most bitter, who carried on the feud, then, asked Hamilton in surprise, if the principals didn't, well, I guess the worst was a minister, the ref, Bill Gambriel, who ran the French side and kept the trouble stirred up all the time, I think I've heard of the Turner War, too, said the boy, was that the same as the Howard Turner fighting, all of them were mixed up in each other's feuds in that Turner family, the Kentucky replied, but the Turner War or the Hell's Half Acre feud was in Bell County, and it started over some question of water rights in Yellow Creek, it was a saying down in Bell County that it couldn't rain often enough to keep Hell's Half Acre free from stains of blood, it is a fearful record, Uncle Eli, when you put them together that way, the boy said, and I haven't even mentioned the word stow them, the hardest cockerel feud in Breathitt County, that lasted four generations, and started over some election for a county judge, I don't know that anyone rightly remembers the time when Breathitt County wasn't the scene of some such goings-on, but they are all over now, aren't they? I was Jay's going to tell you, they are all over but one, and that one is sometimes called the Baker Howard or the Garrard White feud, for all four families were mixed up in it. Not so very long ago I was talking to the widow of one of the men slain in that fightin', and saying to her how good it was that the feeling had all died out, and she said there was a lot of us there at the time I have twelve sons, each day I tell them who shot their father, I'm not going to die till one of them shoots him, I'm reckoning to hero trouble in Clay County MOS any time, but I really think that is the last of them, what started that, an argument over a $25 note, was the response. But you don't want to think these were the real causes, they were usually Jay's firebrands that made things worse. Most of these high feuds date back to enmities made in the Civil War and in Moonshining. But why the war? Asked Hamilton. I thought nearly all the mountaineers in Kentucky fought for the North. I know you were with Lee, of course. But I thought that was exceptional. None of them fought for the North. Exclaimed the old Confederate soldier indignantly. Why, Uncle Eli? said Hamilton, in surprise, I was sure that most of them went into the Union Army, so they did, boy, so they did, but those who did it thought they were fighting for the nation, not for the North, and the slavery question didn't matter much high, don't you let anyone tell you that the Union Army was made up of abolitionists, because it wasn't, it was made up of bigger men than that, it was made up of patriots, I thought them wrong then, I do yet, but there ain't no denying that they were fighting for what they thought was right. But why did you join the South, Uncle Eli? Asked the boy. I can understand father doing it. Because he was a South Carolinian. I was working FOPs. The mountaineer rejoined when North and South was talking war. Kentucky, as you will remember having read, decided to remain neutral. And organized the state guards to preserve that neutrality. I was willing to let well enough alone. But when the North come down and tried to force the state guards to join their cause, I went with the rest to Dixie. I don't believe, added the old man solemnly, 
that bar ever was a war like that before, where every man on both sides fought for a principle, and where there was no selfish motive anywhere, the outpost were with the Federals, were they, prompted Hamilton, fearing lest the old man should drift into war reminiscences, when he wanted to hear about feuds, well Isaac Outpost was, the mountaineer replied, and that was how the little trouble we had begun, at least, it had a good deal to do with it, Isaac and I had never got along, and Jay's before the war, we had some words about the Kentucky State Guards, but I wasn't there in any grudge, and I never supposed Isaac was, however, in a skirmish near Cumberland Gap, I saw that he was Jay's etching to get me, and the way he tried was Jay's about the meanest thing I ever heard o' anyone doing on the ridge, how was it, do tell me, pleaded Hamilton, his eyes shining with interest, how was with Wolford's cavalry, and I was under fightin' Zollicoffer, as they called him, the old man began, Bar had been a little skirmish, one o' these that never get into the dispatches that don't do any good, but after which Bar's always good men left lying on the ground, we had driven em back a bit, and I was comin' in when I saw a lad he didn't look more in about fifteen lying in a heap and groanin', knowin' a drink would do him more good than anything else, I reached for my canteen, and stooped down, Jay's about then, a horseman dashed out o' the scrubbin', Almost before I could think of what was common, he struck at me with his saber. When you were giving drink to a wounded soldier, cried Hamilton indignantly. What a cowardly trick. It was O.L. Isaac Howell, nodded his uncle, and I suppose he reckoned this was a chance to get even on the O.L. grudge. But I rolled over on the grass jays out of reach of his stroke, and he missed. I grabbed my rifle and blazed at him as soon as I could get on my feet. But we had reached the shelter of the trees again and I missed him. That's about the meanest thing I ever heard, said the boy. So I thought, the Kentucky unanswered, and so the poor lad seemed to think too. I saw he was trying to speak, and I put my ear close to his lips, thinking he might have some message he wanted to give. But, trying to look in the direction where Houtle had gone, he whispered, Don't blame the Union. He was thinking more of the credit of his side than of his own sufferings. That was grit, said Hamilton approvingly. Did he die, Uncle Eli? Not a bit of it. We got him back into our lines and he was exchanged, I believe. Anyway, I know he was living after the war. F.O. I saw his name once on a list of veterans. But most o' the boys were like that mostly young. Two and men o' the stripe of Isaac Houtle were very few. But you got him in the end, didn't you? The old mountaineer looked intently at the boy's excited face. I didn't. He said, and I don't rightly know that it's good for y'all to be hearing all these things. Y'all might hold it against Jake Howell, that I wouldn't, protested Hamilton. Jake I.S.N.